Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Dobry vetcher and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Coleman. And I'm Travis Dow from the History of Alchemy podcast. Tonight's program centers on the unique world viewpoint that Czech people have towards outsiders, tourists, expats, fellow Europeans, and foreigners as a whole. In our discussion tonight, we will take our best shot at these generalities without painting uh, this whole country with a wide, broad brush. So, you know, please understand that these generalities are just that, a common viewpoint held by many within and outside the borders of the Czech Republic. Viewpoints forged by culture, wars, protectorates, and time itself. To make matters a bit more interesting, these interpretations are given by us, two American expats that have done a great deal of one-on-one research while living among the Czech people. Uh, So I guess you can take that for what it's worth, Travis. So we take a look at some of these ideas uh, that we'll talk about tonight. This is a little bit of a disclaimer, isn't it? We're we're outsiders talking to you about how the Czechs feel about things. But try to see it from their point of view, right? Like they've... They've kind of been on the defensive for the last thousand years. Okay, so they've they've been independent now since for like twenty four years, something like that, and they're really outside of Czechoslovakia even less, you know, about twenty years. But before that, they were under Moscow's thumb. Okay, before that, they were under Berlin's thumb. Before that, they were under Austria's thumb, and before that, they were part of the Holy Roman Empire. Even now, you know, there's a strong opposition to the European, uh, to the EU, the European Union, because now they're just thinking, oh well, you know, we just got rid of Moscow, and now comes Brussels, right? You know, yeah, you you got it. Kind of got to understand that there's there's a lot going on. They have a lot of. Uh, catching up to do. Uh, They were much more multicultural than they are now, especially after World War II when they kicked all the Germans out. Um, The communists kind of enforced isolationism, you know, like they they had travel restrictions. Um, It was very difficult to get things from the West. So even, you know, Western movies, I mean, they could, on TV, if you lived in like Pilsen or close to the border, you'd get these commercials from Austria or Germany. But that's it. You couldn't. You'd see a BMW commercial. You couldn't go out and buy the car. That seems know? kind of so, cruel, doesn't it? <laughs> like doubly so. I mean, yeah. they, they knew what was happening, but but at the same time, it was very isolated. Um, so, Travis, can, it, it, giving idea of, of of communist rule in this country, I, and I can I, I'm familiar somewhat with it because that it's a little closer to home, especially with my in laws. That uh, they can tell me stories about how they they smuggled in parts of the Bible. Because uh, they couldn't really buy certain things uh, on a religious note, they, they also couldn't get anything else from the West. I mean, it was very difficult uh, to get anything. So, I my mother in law would tell me that some of her fashion magazines that were snuck in from Germany, 
yeah. were what you just said. I mean, there's here's, yeah. here's some great fashions, but by the way, you'll never get. <laughs> so, right. so what they would try to do is make it on their own. So that's one thing I think the isolationism that the Czechs went through has really helped them to be well, really hands-on with making do with what they have, fixing what they've got, and being able to be industrious in that sense. Building their own cottages. Well, I think basically you're going to get into stuff for a whole nother episode because this is – you get in, into like Bonnie's and you know the role of Coca-Cola during communism and like all these interesting things. Um, but speaking of communism, let's, let's jump right to the first, shall we say, stereotypical view of foreigners – Let's talk about the Russians. That's right, Travis. Uh, the Russians uh, are really the bear next door uh, for the Czech Republic. Uh, they have had a love-hate relationship. I don't know how much the love is there, but uh, let's just say that there was some, some infatuation from time to time through their history between but, the Hamburgers. more like hate-hate. Yeah, well, well, you know, I think it's – you know, we're talking about two different eras of Russia. We're talking about, you know, the, the czarist Russia and then, of course, communist Russia, socialist Russia. And I, I think that uh, those are two different viewpoints uh, of two, two different times. One thing you have to go back to is actually look at the connection when the Czech nation, the Czech people, still under Austrian-Hungarian Empire rule, they were struggling to find their own identity. It was called the Czech Revival. And this happened around the mid-1800s, heading towards the beginning of the 20th century. And that's when they started piecing together their own language again and right. their own cultural identity. Uh, to separate them from the Germanic rule and the Hungarian rule that they had to be under. And because of this, there was a big push to unite with their Slavic brothers. And that included people from Lithuania, Belarus, Russia, the whole nine yards. And so that there was a connection with that. You you see that in some of these mural paintings that Alphonse Mutka put together dealing with the Slavic nations. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a big push of this during the very beginning of the 20th century. So uh, that was a, a, a big um, identity issue that they had. And, of course, that made them very close to Tsarist Russia. Now, fast forward to the part close to the end of World War One, when uh, the Bolshevik Revolution was going on in Russia. You would have a whole bunch of what they called white Russians versus the red Russians, the white Russians that were losing their battles. And at the time, uh, President-elect Mazarik, T.G. Mazarik, had offered them asylum. And so before Czechoslovakia was even a, a, a nation, a fledgling nation at the time, they gave uh, asylum to these white Russians from Russia uh, to come down and live here. So the Russians at the time uh, were making some inroads and in in wanting to become Czech. And so there was kind of a friendly connection with them at the, the turn of the 20th century. However, that, that connection quickly turned sour as we approached World War II. And, and that brought in the real kind of connection uh, and antagonism between the Czechoslovak uh, um, nation, the Soviets. You mentioned Mucha and all that. There was a there was a big movement for this like pan Slavic state, right? Same as you know, there's a big movement for pan Islamic state or pan you know you name it, pan German state, uh, obviously. Um, but the, the the reason that this was dropped around that time, around World War Two, or after World War Two especially, is because there is no pan-Slavic state that is not that doesn't you know isn't overbearingly Russian, okay? And Russian, even though they're Slavic, they're very they've had a very different history within Europe than like the Western Slavic countries. At this point, the, the idea starts to get dropped, especially when you they realize that a pan-Slavic state means a communist state, right? And then, so you know, there was enough pressure from Moscow that you know the the 
and they were you know the Russians were kind of seen as liberators they they liberated Prague and everything though though not Pilsen and um so the the communists won the election in 48 and for a long time it kind of I don't know how to say worked out because you know there was there was some opposition to Moscow. They you know they were able to kind of hold their own ground, um, but these white Russians you mentioned would be shipped off to gulags. You know, to, back in, absolutely over in they, Siberia. And and I think because of that, they had almost a generation to acclimate into Czech society. A lot of them were Czech citizens before the white oh, Russians yeah. Were, yeah. Uh, were were taken back and pushed. And I think a lot of people that knew some of these white Russian uh, immigrants. Um, for for many years, knew that oh, there's something askew here. This is not what uh, this brand new, you know, uh, one world sort of uh, workers unite mentality. Uh, that this 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 is kind of souring me in the idea because and in '48, yeah, you know, these elections, pe- people were were tired, where they were war weary, and they they were promised something from this idea that everyone was going to be equal and everyone's going to share in the slice of the pie, and the and government was going to take care of you. That's kind of a, a really uh, nice idea after a horrible, uh, one of the worst wars in, in human history. So the Czechs grasp at that. You know, they really didn't uh, really feel that this was going to be something uh, oppressive to maybe a little bit later on. In 1948, right. there still was hope. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, they, 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 they still had their own, their independence. People could go to Moscow and push back. Or, you know, this Gottwald would say, okay, I'm a communist leader, but don't worry. I'll, I, you know, I got this. Czech President Gottwald. Um, yeah, right? the, the communist. One thing, Travis, that really encapsulate, encapsulates the feeling between the Czechs and their Soviet leaders at the time is, is the statue that once was that is not now. And that would be the statue of, of, of Stalin that was on top of Letna Hill. Now, to give you an idea, uh, overlooking the entire city after World War II in the 1950s was this gigantic uh, stone statue of Stalin leading a procession of uh, workers uniting and, and soldiers uniting behind him uh, in a very majestic uh, stance overlooking the in entire Vltava Valley. Majestic stance of a breadline waiting for – Yeah, <laughs> tell us the story. <laughs> well, it's just a joke because the Czechs would say like, oh, they're all in line. They're just like in Moscow. They must be waiting for bread, right? Right, right. And so, and so – But you, you said it was the biggest – I mean it was the biggest Stalin statue ever. In, in the entire world. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's one of those deals that the, archi- the architect and artist that put this together actually committed suicide after this. He was very upset that he was, he was commissioned to do this. Uh, this this giant Ouch. statue. Yeah. Uh, today it's a pendulum. Is that correct? Yeah. All right. Now now there's some symbolic artistic meaning well, to a the metronome. Pendulum. It's a metronome, yeah. and it does. It's actually kinetic movement. It it moves. Sometimes it's on. Sometimes it's off, depending. But it overlooks this whole city on Letna Park on the hill over. Oh, yeah. overlooking if you look, Prague. If you're looking down Prajiska, down the Jewish quarter, you're looking straight at it. Like it's just majestic over the thing there. But but the whole artistic idea is yeah. nothing. From nothing, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Now, can you explain Man, that? Man, that well, that that gives you a great insight into Czech mentality. Is um, yeah, it's just you know they've you know throughout their history they've you know first first the Hussites and the Catholics and the other you know the War of eighteen twelve and then the Austrians and then the Germans and then the Czechs and every time you know you're putting up these generals and then Hussite generals and Catholic saints and then you're putting up Austrian generals and Nazi generals and and communist ones and Finally, they're just like, you know what? Forget about it. It's just going to be from nothing to nothing. That's that's where we're going. That's what the pendulum means. And yeah, but it, like I'll tell you that because a block from my house is Vinodatska, which is a, you know a big major street, and that's the same kind of thing. Like that used to be Stalinova. It's you know right 
I can, I can see it out my window. So Stalling Street. And again, those were, you know, under Austrian days, it was named after some Austrian general or some famous Austrian guy. And then the Nazi, the Germans named after some Nazi. And then, um, then they named it after Stalin. And then they're like, you know what? Forget about it. We're just going to call it Vineyard Street. So hopefully it can kind of stick stick with that name for more than you know ten years at a time. It, so, well, it, and, and it's interesting. Uh, there's there's nothing left of this other than a giant platform in Letna. Right. Uh, uh, and it's used for skateboarders and of course this giant pendulum. Uh, but if you ever look at old pictures of this, you can go online, folks, and take a look at it. It or go to my website at bohemican.com. Uh, there's a picture of that in, under Czech history of what once was there, and it, it is it is huge. Well, and, and god awful. You know the whole joke of that <laughs> statue, right? Opinion. Like. <laughs> You know why it was built? Why? Like, because the statue was built for Stalin's birthday, right? But he never actually saw it. So he died before his birthday. So, and there's even, you can look on YouTube and they, they when they blew it up, because then, you know, so um, they built it for his birthday. He died. He never saw it. The biggest statue of him ever. And then, then Khrushchev decided that, oh, Stalin was bad after all. So then they blew it up. And you can see that it's a, Great explosion. It's in black and white. You know, it's the communist days. But um, so that's, you know, that's the whole thing. Like, he never even saw it. So the biggest thing ever. And yeah. I, I think that it basically tells tells the, the feeling of the Czechs in, in a lot of ways uh, of uh, having Papa Stalin not be there anymore. They call it socialism with a face. You know, they had more. I mean, it was like the Prague Spring, 68, right? So, so they're really starting to kind of open up. And. Uh, the Soviets said, enough's enough. This is, you know, you're not really listening to Moscow. You're not really doing what we say. And this is this is a famous event. Um, this is, you know, Jan Palach and, and uh, the, the kind of uprising and followed by the all the invasions of all the um, socialist neighbors. So like Poland and, and East Germany and Hungary. Not the Russians themselves. This was like carefully planned. This, that's exactly right. The Warsaw Pact folks, came, uh, soldiers came in. A lot of them were Poles, right? Uh, and and they came in. And I, I'll tell you, my wife told me this from her grandfather that it, this happened early in the morning, and yeah. and the tanks rolled in, and everything was shaking, and people were were still kind of heading off to work, and they see these tanks coming down the street. And um, a lot of people just started climbing on the tank, you know, talking to these Polish tank drivers saying, what are you doing? Don't do this to us. We're like you. We're like you. And um, there was a lot of confusion. And yeah. because of this, there were new rules set up by the Soviet, the Soviet military forces that, about um, keeping your distance from people that you're supposed to be, you know, oppressing or, or, or keeping under your heel. Yeah. Uh, because there was a lot of breakdown in, in uh, uh, some of this uh, military um, steadfastness to get the job done during this time. But this was a heavy time around the world. I want you to think about this from an American standpoint. The Vietnam War is going crazy at this point. Uh, it's one of the deadliest years in the Vietnam War in the United States. We have flower power going on. You have uprising of young people. That happened here too. That happened right. here, right yeah, here yeah, in this Prague. Is the 60s. For for years after that, that's when the the real um, Czechoslovakia. You know, they had a much more direct connection to Moscow. So Moscow would um, much more directly be involved in who actually ran the Czechoslovakia, and it became a much more conservative country within. Um, you know the, the the Warsaw Pact countries. It, it now, was a very difficult time here it, right. it, during that during those years. Well, the, 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 cra- bullet, it was a the bullet holes on them. So that, you know they they came up with tanks on Wenceslav Square, and the bullet holes they're just now patching them up. I mean, you can still see the white things where they just patched them up. Skip ahead to the Velvet Revolution. Um, the Russians are still here. 
in a very different shade coat. How do you want to say that? Pink. <laughs> they weren't quite red. They were Ouch. a little pink. The pinkos, is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I, it, it was it was a different sort of feel because this is the era of Glasnost and things were starting to fall apart in, in the satellite the former uh, satellite countries and throughout Europe. Oh, and Russia Poland, itself. Exactly. I mean, I mean, Everything yeah. was falling falling to pieces and the Czechs were, were somewhat ready because, you know, you had guys like, you know, uh, – Soon to be president, uh, President Elect Havel eventually w- was going to keep his promise with uh, Charter 77, which was, you know, their idea of pushing back and saying, why can't we govern ourselves in a more democratic fashion? And uh, this would come to fruition during the Velvet Revolution, a very peaceful transition out of communism into democracy. Right. So, yeah, so the Russians still here, but in a very different uh, shade, which is organized crime. It was proven that they, they moved operations out of the Russian Federation into other countries such as Poland uh, and specifically Czech Republic because it was the Wild West here in the 1990s. Uh, there were people in the West that would come over here saying, oh, I'm going to start my own business because there's not a lot of control. Uh, America, some Americans were thinking, I'm just going to just open up businesses and, and, and rake in right. the money. Yeah. And some of them had you know, a lot of scams that were going on here against the, the Czech Scams people. is the key word. Right, yeah, yeah. And, and, and a, lot of, a lot of that was Russian – Russian led. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there, there's some of that here still today, of course, with some of the vices that we have uh, in big cities, uh, specifically in Prague. We talked about this in previous podcasts. You can go down to Winchester Square and there will be a red light area <laughs> for prostitution. Uh, you, very easily you can pick up an assortment of drugs, illegal drugs. Uh, and a lot of that money is going through either former Russian uh, citizens or current Russian citizens. Uh, in in a mafia sort of uh, family crime syndicate. So Travis, you know, l- looking ahead, uh, the next group of people are pretty much the country that that occupies a huge border of of the Czech Republic today, and that would be Germany. We talked about the bear at the door when it came to the Russians, and now we're going to talk about the wolf at the door, which would be the Germanic people. One thing you have to consider is that now Czech Republic is really Czech, okay, but for let's say, a thousand years, it was really a bilingual, bicultural country until the end of World War II when they finally had enough of that. So it's this might be like the most controversial uh, a group of foreigners to talk about in Czech Republic, but there's definitely Germans here today that have come back since the Velvet Revolution. Um, not even come back. It's different Germans. You know, it's not like the Germans living here today had their grandparents living here. No, probably not. Um, so it's it's same kind of thing with the Russians. You know, the Czechs are stuck between these two giant cultures, and they're a little itsy bitsy country. Obviously, there's some, uh, you know, especially historically, there's some worry. Like you said, they have this huge border, especially uh, when Silesia and, and Prussia was part of Germany. It looks like you take the Slavic bite out of German speaking, because you know Austria is to the south, Prussia was to the north, Germany to the to the west. So it's just you take the Slavic bite out of German-speaking country, and um, it's it's a miracle that they're even there in, in the first place. Because to the north, like Lithuanians and all those Prussians, even spoke Slavic, and it was these Teutonic Knights that kind of you know converted them and, and and slowly but surely made them speak German. So the Czechs they didn't do that. You know they had to have a cultural revival, like you, you mentioned earlier, and and um, uh, you know after World War II they forcibly removed all the Germans from. Czech Republic, which is it's controversial again. You to, know. To, to say it's controversial but, probably is downplaying it. It, it was ugly, yeah. wasn't it? Right. Well, you know, the, I I don't I'm not sure how much I want to get into that right now. But 
but because um, it's still touchy, it's a it's a really touchy sensitive right. subject. Exactly. I mean, I mean, this has been discussed and philosophized over ad nauseum since the war, and you know, the the obviously the one side will say, well. They deserved it, right? Now, now, before we go any further, it, we're talking about the borderlands that that are connected I, I, we're, between we're Bohemia about, and and the and the German people. Well, that's where like ninety percent of the population was German, but we're talking about all Bohemia. Just all Germans were kicked out. Prague was I don't know. I don't want to give false numbers, but I mean it wasn't fifty fifty. But Germans were a significant minority. Let's put it like that. And uh, yeah, you know what you're talking about, like Sudetenland and Schumavan, that it might have been ninety percent Germans. So they're all gone now. In fact, that's why Shumova is a nice national park because there's just no one there. But you look at the you look at the demographics from before the war. I mean, it was a German-speaking part. So, yeah. So there were a lot of them were kicked out, and and uh, you know, objectively in a bad way, just with the clothes on their backs and and you know, shoved into the freezing mountains to the German border. And the Czechs will say, well, it was deserved. Okay. I mean, look at what they did to us. You know, the concentration camps. You know, the Nazis. I mean, you know. Sure. On the other hand, um, and well, I mean, me personally, like, I don't believe in group guilt at all. So it's it's hard to say um, that it was deserved, you know, for something else or as revenge. However, the, the Czechs have been for a thousand years. This has kind of been the thorn in their side. They didn't have one single national identity. And there's just examples all over Prague where you see everything in two languages, or you know, like um, the Germans used to walk. Uh, what is now Napsikopje, which is Amgraben. So the Sunday walks, Germans would walk up that way, and then the other side, kind of towards the river, and then the other side is Narodni Trida, the, the, the national street, and the Czechs would walk up that way. Right? So, You've told me that before, Travis, and that's yeah, very so interesting. Prague that Prague was, was segregated. Yeah, segregated. Pilsen was probably more Germans than Czech. I mean, Budweiss, you know, Czeski Budjavice was more Germans than Czech. I'm not sure if that's true, but significant, you know, and uh, so it's just kind of – you look at old maps of Prague, they're all in German because that's just the ruling class was German. Uh, Wenceslav Square was Wenzelplatz and before that it was Rossmarkt, the, the horse market. Right, we, because where the, actually the where the, the, the uh, uh, National Museum is on the top of Wenceslav Square was actually the horse gate. Yeah, that was the way into town. That was yeah. the way into town and, and for, for the, during so, the Middle Ages. But, yeah. So to bring it back to modern days – Obviously, um, there's there's a lot of baggage there. Let's just put it like that. There's a lot of baggage, and um, Czechs are not entirely blameless. I mean, you know, I don't believe in group guilt. Is it what they did in '45? Was it right? No, it wasn't. You know, did it did it need to happen? I, like, I'm not touching that one with a 40 foot pole. Okay, but but there was a lot of revenge thinking and, and kind of uh, you know cold blooded actions and. Uh, so yeah, that still taints and, and colors the the viewpoint of them today. I I think especially when you talk about the, the Sudetenland, this 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 reminds me a part of an American history that some of our listeners might be familiar with during the Revolutionary War, was at right. the time between the colonialists that were were loyal to uh, the revolutionaries, there were many of their neighbors which were called Tories or loyalists loyal to the crown, the English crown, yeah. and it was just an excuse. To take up old rivalries with your neighbors, sure. to, to kill oh, yeah. them or take what they have, yeah. uh, and uh, this happened very, very similarly to this uh, following World yeah. War II. And I think uh, uh, you know it, it is it is bad blood in that sense. But time ha- has a tendency to heal a lot of wounds, even though people have a long memory. Well, 
but but here's the ironic part and just to, just to bring it back to the to the modern day that if you look at Czech culture what they're proud of um or even what they're not proud of but what is this Czech is Czech, Czech can be knedlik oh you mean knödel right in Austrian dish uh sauerkraut um pork uh beer you know i mean just so much of of what they think of as as Czech culture you cannot distinguish from Bavarian or Austrian culture. In fact, that's one of the first things when I, you know, quote unquote, got off the boat here was I was like, oh, man, this is the same food that I had when I was a kid. I mean, I, I was at home right away. They're like, oh, you like that che- heavy Czech meals? I'm like, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, sauerkraut, zemmerknödel, and, you know, it's just the same things as, as I had when I was growing up. So it's yeah, and, and for no one, difference, really. For one thing, of, of, of food to uh, a viewpoint of economics now germany is a huge player in the european union czech republic's part of the european union uh there's a lot of business that goes back and forth between germany and czech republic now so they they are um dealing with each other on an economic basis and i think uh there's a little bit more respect i think in the sense of how they're running their country uh which seems to be above boards compared to a lot of the other problems we see in the eu today sure. uh, so yeah. i i think i think that helps a little bit with the healing process of having a a good neighbor uh so you know we'll see how things go with that but you're right czech republic as well as Poland can say the same thing. They're stuck between the the Russian bear and the and the German wolf. And another and they, great example. Yeah. Yeah, and they they they've had to find a way to to hold on to their identity and survive. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. I mean, I would say um, I don't want to paint it bleak, you know. But but uh, you know, I'd say that that time is the great healer here. Like you know, the younger generation. I don't think they have as much of a problem with with Germans or. Um, you know, foreigners in general as their parents. And I think part of that is, is that they're just exposed to them from grade zero. I mean, you know, they're born and there's their next door neighbors with Vietnamese on one side and Russians on the other. It's just, you know, their parents weren't used to that as much. If we have a little bit of time tonight, I'd like to probably jump into the Vietnamese aspect of things too, because there's a huge population of Vietnamese uh, expatriates that have lit, that live just, just the South side of Prague. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that when we, we do the, the what's left of the viewpoint of, of, of foreigners uh, from the Czech standpoint. But let, let's jump right into probably the closest of uh, the, the Czech neighbors that uh, uh, were very interesting bedfellows uh, during a huge chunk of the 20th century, and that would be their Slovak brothers. All yeah. right, so Slovakia, uh, probably the most appable sort of divorce you could probably ever hear of. <laughs> uh, you know, that that probably goes against pretty much anybody that I, I've known that said uh, that there could ever be a, a nice, clean divorce. This actually proves that there could be. Well, compare this to Yugoslavia or, you know, any other kind of ugly split at the, at the same time. It's just Chechnya or any, you know, the the, I mean, yeah, it just, not a shot was fired. It was just kind of sitting over a table. Could you imagine? The Here's a table. Divorce, yeah, right? the Velvet Divorce. Um, you know, it, the Velvet Revolution comes in. Czechoslovakia at the time, uh, President uh, Václav Havel uh, really was wanting to keep this nation together as Czechoslovakia. But you know, it it has to. You have to go again and back to the beginnings. And and most of the things we see in Europe today, the seeds were 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 laid in the ground because of World War One. And this was one of those other examples. Uh, World War One. Uh, uh, 
allowed Czechoslovakia to come into into existence. And if it wasn't for the idea of the Americans trying to push for uh, a unified country and the Czechs trying to push for a unified country just to have, to have something, uh, there wouldn't be no Czechoslovakia. It'd probably be divvied up by the 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 Victorian uh, the victorious uh, Allied powers at the time. So this was their only way to have a unified country of some sort was to have this marriage arranged, and that's what it was—an arranged marriage between the Slovak nation and the Czechs. And uh, together they made Czechoslovakia. So, uh, yeah, this this was kind of an odd beginning to a marriage to begin with. But if you could sit at that table for the divorce proceedings, as we like to call it, in 1993, uh, across the table you had the Slovaks. Uh, the other side you had the Czechs. Uh, are you sure you want to go? Yeah, I, I really want to go. You know, we're kind of different people. We're, we're more Catholic than you guys are. Well, we, we have different histories. We want our own way to go right at this point. Yeah, I mean, if you... One way to see it, because I always thought it was kind of strange, because um, they are so similar. Czechs and Slovaks, the culture out of from the West Slavic languages, they're they're mutu- mutually intelligible, which means I wouldn't even say they're different languages. I'd say they're different dialects of the same thing. But don't tell that to a Slovak. No, d- yeah. They, but, they, but I would argue they are, and yeah. you could linguistically argue that they are the same language. I, I would, I would almost but, say it's like an American trying to talk to an Australian. I mean, it, you, you could probably like figure that. it out, but yeah. there'll probably be it's, some puzzle looks. Of, but so yeah. the the thing is that they did have very different histories. But the border between Moravia and uh, Bohemia is the border between East and West in so many ways, and. So Slovakia was never independent. They grasp at straws. They say that they were part of uh, Greater Moravia, you know, like 1,200 years ago because one of the capitals of Greater Moravia is a tiny little village in Slovakia, okay? So, you know, from Greater Moravia, the Czechs have the same heroes that the Slovaks do, but they were never independent. They were almost – they were Hungarian right away after that, and they were until World War I. Now, the thing is when they're sitting around this table – um, so you think, well, they're doing so great since World War I. What happened? Well, they weren't because after World War I, Czechs put a lot of money into Slo- Slovakia, which was really rural, and Bohemia was really industrialized, okay? And that went on the whole time. However, so Slovaks kind of resented them in a way as saying, oh, well, you're, you're being too big brotherly to us. And, Bo- and Bohemia, or Czech Republic, is going like, well, hey, you're really a drain on our economy. And it kind of turned to like that. Well, you know what? Um, we, don't, we don't need you anymore. You know, they say, oh, really? You think you can do it better without us? Huh, go ahead, see what happens. You'll be, you'll be crawling back in five years. And they didn't. You know, they had economic reforms right away. They, you know, they did pretty well. They, They're they, on had, the Euro. Some, they had some struggles you know. with, 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 with the presidency that, that wanted to stay a little longer than than maybe they he should have, but uh, but they had their own constitution. You know, they they yeah. had their, the the, fun, <laughs> the funny part about it is uh, talk talk about the difference of the of the of the national anthems. You know, the, the Czech national anthem, the second version at least. I don't even know what either it's one very, sounds it's like. It's very sweet. You know, yeah. it's where's my home, and it's and uh-huh. it's very melodic, and it's about flowing streams and rolling hills, and then you hear the the Slovaks, which is thunder and lightning. Here, and it's just I mean, it's got some it's got some gravitas to it. Yeah. And and uh, whenever these two play play uh, a hockey game together, 
<laughs> you kind of know that they're they're uh, uh, that the Slovaks make up a huge minority of uh, of uh, um, foreigners in the Czech Republic because just go to a game between the Czech Republic and, and Slovakia, and if the if the Slovaks actually score a goal, you're like, okay, where are we again? Is this is this Prague? No, you know, no, it doesn't yeah. feel like it because uh, there's so many Slovaks here, and uh, um, so that connection is there. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I you know we're in Prague, and I have more Slovak friends than Czech friends. Yeah, you know, it, it's, just... you know it, it's and it, and it's a beautiful country. You know, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a uh, a country where uh, you can go and, and see amazing mountain ranges. You can actually see some some uh, uh, some some natural wildlife, which you don't really see here too much in Bohemia. Uh, bears, maybe so, even you know. So I mean, yeah. it's uh, it is kind of the frontier, uh, but uh, they well, are yeah, the little it's, brother. It's more rural. Yeah. They are the little brother well, to Bohemia in a lot so, of ways. I mean, here's the thing: like it's. So this is you, – you see this in all kinds of you know inter, interstate boundaries in the states, other countries within Europe. So if one uh, – you know, if one sees the other as a little brother and the other one sees – then you know, let's say Czechs see Slovaks as a little brother. Slovaks are going to see Czechs as arrogant. Right. And this is – you see this anywhere where one's more industrialized and they look down on the other. You know, it's just kind of – I mean that's just how it is. I know? would say it's more again. This is from I an expat. It's very friendly. It's very friendly. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, may, maybe a little bit like you know the relationship between America and Canada. You know, and just by saying America, I'm ticking off a lot of Canadians because you know they consider right. themselves North Americans. It's, it's a kind of a friendly sort of rivalry, which I, I really embrace. And I'm saying that with a lot of Canadian friends listening. I hope. Uh, so not, not anymore. Not anymore. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a show for all peoples. I should probably calm down, shouldn't I? How do Czechs see Americans? This, that's a very interesting way of, of thinking about that. I think they see us like most Europeans, loud mouths, uh, uh, tourists that wear white socks with sandals. So objectively, then. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, it, it is interesting, Travis. What, you know, we, you've lived here a little bit longer than I have. Um, what have you seen as changes as far as American pop culture or uh, businesses that have popped up around Czech Republic and Prague? Has, has, it, has it exploded or is it something that's been trickle, trickled in? Well, see, I, I, have a, I have a different point of view because I've, I've lived outside of the States for more than half my life. So the other thing I can compare it to really well is how Germans see Americans. And especially Munich was the American sector, right? So there are a lot of army brats, a lot of a big influence. So there's even the 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 old military TV and everything. Now, Czechs, in comparison, have had very little influence. An expat community in the East. So, like, you'll find Americans that run bars and run, uh, you know, run restaurants or something like that. But in, in Germany, Americans are just everywhere. It's just, you know, through and through part of society. There's just, there's an American here, a German there. Many Americans will come in to Czech Republic and say, okay, Prague's going to be my location I'm going to go to. I might even go to Chesky Krumalov because it's on the UNESCO World Heritage Site, so I might make a day trip out of that. Maybe I'll even go work in Bruno as an expat because I've got a, a big telecommunications network hub down there as well, closer, closer to Vienna. But you know, when you get throughout the rest of the country, I mean, you get people That's speak. It. You yeah. won't. You're going to struggle. You need to know Czech, um, or be able to at least try. And I think the Czech Czech people will appreciate you trying. They know right away that you're you're American mm-hmm. <laughs> or Brit. Well, another thing yeah. is that one thing I've noticed that they have a harder time understanding accents because they're not used to foreigners. Germans can deal with any kind of foreign act, just like dude. Americans deal with can deal with any kind of foreign accents because we've heard it all before a sure. million times. It's a mixed bag back home. Czechs yeah. have a harder time just understanding what you're trying to say. What Czech is a 
difficult language. Right. But if you just say something, it just they've never heard it before. They haven't heard you, an American, trying to speak Czech. So they just don't know what you're saying because yeah. – <laughs> You know, you know, and I, th- I think that there's there's also uh, there's an American friendliness as as there is in Poland uh, uh, to the Americans um, uh, for 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 many many decades, and and some of it goes back even to the Revolutionary War times in, in Poland um, that there was a connection with the with the fledgling American Republic, uh, but in 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 Bohemia, uh, a lot of those positive uh, viewpoints come again in World War One. Uh, with President Woodrow Wilson, uh, right. who was a yeah. rock star at the time in 1918 and 1919, uh, trying to put together uh, some kind of workable um, uh, uh, new Europe union uh, and the League of Nations. And so um, with, with President Mazarek, they, he, they tried to uh, make a, a friendly connection. Actually, President Mazarek's wife was, was American. Right. You know, yeah. so, so you know, there was that connection. You can even drive down one of the major, major artery, arteries here on the road. It's called Wilsonova. Named yeah. after President Wilson, there's a big statue well, the, of him downtown. The main train station was called Wilson Oval, right? You know, so those those connections are there. But they now, now in in Pilsen, that's you know, the, you know, because we liberated Pilsen in World War II, and like I've you know, I'd be I'd be sitting at the Hofbräuhaus or Oktoberfest somewhere in Munich, and some guy goes, "Oh, you're American," and well, you know, I remember when the Americans came through, and I got my first orange or my first pack of cheving gum, you know, chewing gum or whatever, you know, or a Hershey chocolate bar, or, or chocolate, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> but here, you know, the the communists made it a point. I mean, we were sitting in pills and twiddling our thumbs. The communists made it a point that the the Russians would liberate Prague, and then for years after that, uh, you know, there was this anti-Western propaganda. So. Some were fooled, a lot were fooled, some were not so much, but but you just didn't have this continuous 70 years of pro-Western sentiment. You and, know. And, and that is that is really evident in something that happens every every May in Pilsen, uh, in Western Bohemia, and that is uh, the Thank You to America weekend that they they've they've started doing uh, every, every year uh, for the past I think 10 years or so, uh, because the Americans had come through with the armor division, Patton's armor division, third I think third army, uh, came through and liber- liberated all of Western Bohemia, and so there's stories of. Czech women that were married off to uh, uh, American GIs and moved back to the United States and uh, and have that connection. Yeah. They come back. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of World War II veterans that are that are dying and, and are too old to make the trip anymore. But they still do these parades. And I actually went to Pilsen last year for it, and I had a blast. Uh, they have you know a lot of reenactors come out uh, dressed as Brits and Americans uh, and driving old jeeps and and uh, old uh, army situations out there, and they. They have a full weekend dedicated to thank you to America. There's a giant uh, obelisk that says thanks to the United States for our liberation. Now, why is this interesting? Because it was exactly what you said, Travis. For years, the communists told them that didn't happen. Right. <laughs> and and so unless you lived it and knew that it was a bunch of hogwash, there were a lot of people that grew up saying, oh, I, I, the Russians liberated us. Yeah. And it wasn't until after 1989 that there was a big push saying, no, 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 young man. Uh, that's not how it happened. This was real history. And so yeah. it is kind of neat to go see that. Well, yeah, I think Pilsners kind of know. And again, you know, even during communism, they were close enough to Germany that they got the – they got the TV. They could watch German state. It was against the law, but they could watch German stations that they have a TV good enough to receive it. I mean, so yeah, it's 
they're much less susceptible to the propaganda. And, and, that you, kind mis- of- and you mentioned airwaves and telecommunications. Um, Radio Free Europe it was broadcasting right. out of Berlin during the uh-huh. Cold War yeah. before it moved to Prague. And now it's located uh, – Radio, Radio, Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty, so one entity, um, funded by the U.S. Congress, is based here in Prague now. Uh, but uh, it was bu- based in Berlin, and it was giving the only information, uh, Western information, mm-hmm. to uh, the people of the, um, the Soviet uh, uh, satellite nations. So you know they did get a little bit on the airways as they could pick it up, uh, but now things are a little bit different. Now you, it's very easy to go get a Big Mac at McDonald's, uh, <laughs> right Starbucks down the street. Starbucks is everywhere. Starbucks is everywhere. I, it's I know for an American we kind of cringe a little bit uh, at that, but um, I'm not gonna lie to you. Every once in a while it's kind of nice to have a little taste of home, even if it's fast food or a, a cup of coffee. But speak for yourself, Coleman. Uh, yeah, well I've I've seen you out. <laughs> so I I think. I think that you know the the thing is that when you move over here, you want to embrace what is foreign, and I, I really do love seeing that. Uh, but for an average Czech, yeah, there's a lot of American pop culture here. Well, like some of my favorite Czech dishes is uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken or Chicken Wings at Hooters. Um, <laughs> And don't forget, you can see the IMAX. You can see, you know, uh, any Western movie uh, in English at the IMAX down the street here in Prague. And that, yeah, you know? <laughs> that's one thing I like is that the, the movies here aren't dubbed because in Germany they, you know, they had every movie you ever wanted dubbed and dubbed professionally greatly. It's horrible. <laughs> but here they just don't even bother. I mean, they're actually really famous for their dubbing and everything. So if you watch like a you know child's movie or something like Disney, there it's great. It's done really well, but. Um, yeah, if you watch normal movies, just in subtitles, which yeah, I, I think for an American expat, you you would have a, a pretty good time living here in that sense because uh, people are very friendly. Um, they hold Americans uh, in in a pretty good light. Uh, but one recommendation I always have is is represent yourself pretty well. Uh, try not to speak as loud as you normally would back home. Um, now you tell me. I know it's hard not to do. Jeez. It really is. I feel like I'm, I'm in the library sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but I I think that. Uh, with that level of respect of trying to speak Czech and, and being polite and those type of things go a long way uh, in uh, making a positive attitude towards Americans. Well, I, I mean, we're here and we obviously both love it. So, okay, Americans covered. What's got it? What's cool next? Else? Let's do the mixed bag. All right, <laughs> all right. We have we have a lot of little things about things. Uh, uh, one of my favorite sayings here that I never understood was being drunk like a Dane. All right. Now, Dane well, is someone from, from Denmark. Uh, so someone's Danish. So you know so, they, they got to pick on somebody, right? Gotta, I know, cause... but but here here's the funny part about this. Just a few weeks ago, and this is in 2013, um, there was a group of high school kids coming down for their winter break, and they all decided just to pick Prague, <laughs> right? Because you can you can find a way to get beer, I guess, pretty easily down here as, sure. as a younger person. And they came down without as a any, kid. You mean? Yeah, as a kid, yeah. yeah. Without any. Uh, Hotel reservations. They were going to mm-hmm. work it out when they got down here. So there was like you know over a hundred kids, and um, and they got drunk off their tails, and they caused fights, and they caused general chaos, and uh, <laughs> it was it was a pretty rough weekend. Um, so maybe they did play into that whole idea of being drunk like a Dane. But you know that's saying something when the uh, of all of Europe, Czechs ha- drink more beer per capita than anybody else. Well, they drink more beer per capita in the world. In the not, world. Not yeah, more alcohol, but more beer. More beer. And they can put away the alcohol. But the funny thing is, have you ever seen a lot of bar fights between Czechs? I haven't. Never. Well, okay, define fight. Because like thrown punches, not one ever. I have never seen Loud it. words, r- voices raised. Even I saw someone chasing someone at the golf club. Um, but, <laughs> well, but, interesting. Yeah. 
you know. But there's a level of politeness, actual isn't there? punches thrown, yeah. never. I, and I can't say that of my hippie, peace-loving home state of Oregon. So that's <laughs> – Yeah, I, I think I, I do find that very interesting that they can put away the alcohol, but that those incidents are, are, are few and far between. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the Danes get this kind of moniker from the Czechs that uh, – you're drunk like a Dane. I mean, it's not. It's not a. It's not a good thing to be to be told. Uh, what about the Brits? Speaking of drinking, <laughs> um, Brits in the Czech Republic. Well, what are I'll, they like? I would say, well, you know, no matter what horrible, loud, obnoxious thing you can say about the Americans, I'd say you could be worse. Um, that would be the Brits. That would be the Brits. <laughs> yeah. Well, because well, yeah, I remember. I remember Oktoberfest from years back, and I remember in the '80s, if it was a loud table, it would be the Americans. Nowadays, if it's a loud table. They're either Spanish or Latin American or British. It's no, we're we're not the we're not the loud table. I, at some point, the Czechs uh, will tell you, and Czech buddies will tell you that that there might be a travel agency. I don't know what's going on, but based on any place in, in England, um, if you're going to have a bachelor party, you come to you come to Prague because you can you can use your British pounds and, and just live like a king down here on the Czech crown for a nice long weekend. I have some you, some fun stories from my uh, tour guide days that. Uh, just just to tell one, I was um, I was telling a story about the uh, Kinski Palace right down in Old Town Square, and I saw these thirty people. See, like sometimes tourists, because I was wearing a top hat and wearing a lantern from World War, you know U.S. Army lantern from World War One. So I mean, I was just a target, you know. Drunken people would come up to me like, "Oh, what are you what are you doing? You know, why you, why you got that lantern?" But I so I see thirty people dressed up as Baywatch characters with the the little red things that they would jump the buoys, on. Yeah. Yeah. The little yeah. red buoys, you know, short shorts guys. So like, like 20, 25 guys, short shorts, the, the orange shirt all said Baywatch on it with their nicknames on the back. And they're coming straight at me with their little red buoys. I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. You know? And right when they get about, you know, a couple of feet from me, one of them goes, I, I don't remember what he said, but he says, Oi. he says, <laughs> and they all drop to the floor on their buoys and start pretending to swim. On the nice. cobblestones right in Old Town Square. So we always kind of stop and watch it, you know, and then they're like – and then they get up and like, all right, you know, see you later. And, you know, they take off and I'm like, all right, well, so, you know, <laughs> and then that happened. God save the queen. <laughs> <laughs> and then I finished my Kinski Brothers story, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, – they, they tear it up. They tear it up down here. It's I, interesting. It's interesting. You know, they, they hit the gentlemen's clubs. They hit the bars and then they call it a week uh, and they go back home and uh, they leave a, a, a wake behind them here. So I, I don't think that Czechs have a lot a lot of uh, happiness when they see the Brits come in. But, of course, you know, we work with Brits. There's, 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 a, lot of, there's a lot of Brits down here as well and, and they have the same sort of experience as we have as Americans. They, they, if they're here and living here, they love it like we do. Well, and it's, it's, a, it's a great place to, thing- to raise a family. With the the random tourists on the street, Germans can tell whether it's British or American. Just drop of a hat right away, a mile away, just like that's that's American, that's a Brit. Czechs can't. No, it's so funny. So yeah, they just can't tell. So it's just you know, I bet Ch- Brits get blamed for stuff that we do, and we get br- blamed for stuff that they do. And it's have you, know, you ever they, had this happen to you? I mean, so so you've been talking to somebody in English, yeah. and they're like, "So where are you from, Great Britain?" No. Like, really? <laughs> really? I'm wow. wearing a baseball hat and and a, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like no, I I I thought it would be like dead 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 on call that you're an American, but I don't know. It it yeah, I think because of that isolationism for a long time, uh, people didn't leave this part of the world. They didn't. Yeah. You know. Uh, uh, but young people now, I think they're exposed. Uh, you know. Oh, uh, oh, social we'll, networking. We'll learn them. We'll yeah. Learn them. 
social social networking has really done a wonder wonders on on opening up uh, any ideas of xenophobia uh, with the Czechs, and uh, I, I think unlike ever before, they're able to get information and and, and think about even moving away from home. Yeah, there, what other what other uh, English speaking minorities? Oh, Kiwis. Yeah, Kiwis. Uh, folks from New Zealand. Uh, I don't know too many Australians. They have, they have but... stereotypes for. Well, really? because because here's the deal. Uh, for for several for over ten years now, there's a, a unique uh, um, visa issue so that you can stay here for a longer yeah. time if you're from New Zealand. I don't know what the situation okay. is, but same thing with the Canadians uh, that they have a different situation relationship than the Americans do with the the, the Czech government. If you're Canadian, uh-huh. you have to have yeah. a visa, and they make right. you jump through hoops. They won't even let you off the train if you don't have this visa. That you know, for an American, yeah, you can come on in, do what you need to do. You know, you can stay here, go to the embassy, and and renew your visa if you need to. But uh, Canadians have a hard time. Kiwis, they just let them on in, which is great because if you can go to any of these parks in 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 uh, in uh, Prague, uh, somewhere in late summer and fall, you can see nothing but rugby matches. All right, so so the guys from New Zealand are are uh, you can definitely tell where they're from uh, at, at certain points on the on the rugby pitch. So That's you know that that yeah. is that is interesting. Uh, but there's there's one group of people that um, we we want to mention before we wrap up the show tonight, and uh, this is kind of a touchy subject for many Czechs. But um, some of them will call them the gypsies, but I I, I think it's a re- really derogatory term. Uh, they might be uh, uh, probably better off called uh, Romani, right? Or you know Roma, uh, and uh, these are a group of at times uh, nomadic people that come through. Uh, not only Czech Republic, but other parts of Central Europe as well. And they uh, either stay for a while or, you know, either for a long time or they move on. Uh, but I think there's a lot of anger and, and mistrust between the Czech people and uh, the Romani. And that's and that's also true in Italy and a few other places. Uh, but why it's a touchy, touchy subject is, um, you know. Oh, man, it, that's, a, that's a tricky issue. It's a tricky issue. I mean, yeah. just I would just say that they're. It's a very different culture. They're not sedentary. They're very, you know, like the, the communists didn't like them because they just couldn't do a census. They just couldn't figure out. They couldn't tax them. They couldn't, you know, there was no way to, they didn't go to school. So how are you going to feed them propaganda? They, they just weren't part of society. And before that, the Nazis just exterminated them. Yeah. I mean, they, right. they were on so, the top three list of exterminations. Right. You know, so I mean, yeah, they've had a rough go but, of it. But Nazi, I mean, they just hid in the woods, and the, I mean, they were—they yeah. definitely survived that better than the Jewish population of Czech Republic. So it's—it's it's really hard to tell. I mean, it's hard to get into that without being biased one way or another. Like I've—I've I've heard a lot of weird stories that just doesn't make wouldn't make sense to to you and me. That you know, um, you know, they just—they you can't. They would fail the social programs because they would burn the wallpaper or you give them chickens for eggs and they would eat the chickens the next day or, you know, it's just it's hard to say, like, you know, how much of that is bias, how much of that is even true. Um, well, well, look at but, this way. What, what was your what was your idea before you moved here? For me, I hate to say this, but my concept was a stereotypical concept of gypsies. Well, the, the from romanticized, the old, yeah, the, from the old the werewolf West. movies. You know, they they were in, in these the traveling carnival, exactly. the fortune tellers. That was it. That's not here. No, here they're just thieves, and you know, just I mean, I'm not saying they're thieves. I'm saying their perception perception of them are, you know, is very low. It, it's and and I wouldn't. I, like I'm not gonna say there's something to it because look at the other things like you mentioned Vietnamese and Vietnamese, um, they're everywhere because they had this, um, uh, you know, guest worker program back, you know, started in, the Soviet in, times. in, in communism, yeah. Yeah. and um, they they came here and now you look at any 
you know, like if you're in France and you go to the corner market, you're saying, I'm going to the Arabs. Or if, if uh, you know, I want something to eat in Germany, I say, I'm going to the Turks, even if he's not Turkish. Or in Paris, even if he's not Arab, you just say that. And here, even if it's a Czech guy at the corner market, I say, I'm going to the Vietnamese. I don't care where he's from. But all the corner markets are owned by Vietnamese, whether yeah. it's true or not, you know. A lot of the Chinese restaurants are owned by Vietnamese. And it's just because they're really hard workers. And now it's clear they're not going away. Their kids are going to school with Czech kids. They all speak Czech. They speak Czech better than me. <laughs> well, that's not hard. But um, Whereas the gypsies, it's different. It's hard to – if if there's a, there's a lot of um, stereotypes that even if they do go to school, they come from such a different angle. They're not – they don't do well in school. You know, the, the teachers instantly assume that they're they're kind of, you know, of lesser intellect and they're not going to make it. And this is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Whereas Vietnamese, Vietnamese come in and they might have, they had those stereotypes to begin with, but they just, they worked so hard and they, they tried so hard to kind of make it within the society that, you know, now a, a young Ch- a Vietnamese kid comes in first grade and the teacher instantly thinks, oh man, they're going to, you know, he's Vietnamese, he's going to do great. And he does. So it's, you know, it's this cycle, and, which and, we and, have and in the States, too. I mean, exactly. I think everybody does. Uh, one thing that uh, that amazes me is that, that, that racism is alive and well here in Europe. Uh, I thought we had a, an issue in the United States, but actually we talk about our issues in the United States. We may not agree on anything, and we may have some rough things to say to each other, but the, the, there is dialogue. Um, there's not dialogue here other than yelling at people. And so they, there, there's a lot of racism here, and you'll see that in uh, as a reflection in some of the sports and, and soccer, that they actually have to say, say no to racism in the stands because you'll have people mocking somebody from Africa uh, you know, because of their skin color uh, that's well, playing in the European yeah. Soccer League. There's a bigger-than-normal skinhead and neo-Nazi movement. You know, you know and so that, that's something to kind of to, to, to measure itself and kind of think about that a little bit. But um, I, I will tell you that was somewhat shocking to me coming from Atlanta, where there's a very big African-American community. Living here after a while, I started looking around going, wow, everything's very, very white here. Homogenous. <laughs> it's very homogenous. You yeah. know, and, and I, I miss having some of that culture around me and uh, and also miss – uh, you know the the um, you know seeing anybody that's that's darker skinned. Um, that this is where the gypsies come in, and this is this is what's interesting. I have seen this down the street where people will give dirty dirty looks oh, to yeah. someone with dark hair, olive complexion, you know, gypsy complexion, dark eyes, and and either not talk to them when they're sitting at the table to take their order, and they just get up and oh, huff and leave. Yeah. And I'm sitting, whoa, this is this is heavy. This is not yeah. this is not what I expect here, and and um, so yeah, they it, it is very difficult I think, and that's in, that's in Prague and Bruno. It's it's uh, it's a, it's really uh, the second largest city in Czech Republic near Moravia in Moravia uh, has a very big gypsy community, or as we like to say, Romani community, and um, you know they they have their issues down there as well of trying to get you know, fair representation, so. Uh, you know, that might be for, uh, another issue for another show. And, and, of course, we always offer this for our listeners. Please send us some emails, uh, you know, uh, through bohemican.com. Uh, if you have some comments about this, uh, as, as two American expats, we're taking a foreigner look into this and trying to give you an idea about how the Czechs feel about this. We're probably missing the, the, the point in some respects. So, you know, please feel free to give us some insight to this. Uh, be, be more than welcome. Well, this is a great episode that we want to hear your stories. 
Do you yeah. have some, uh, some experience? And we'll, we'll, read it, we'll read it on the next podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, that's pretty much all the time we have tonight. Uh, we covered a lot, actually, uh, in, in, in our time together this evening. I, before we go, I want to give you uh, some ideas from our bibliography, which kind of helped a lot besides our personal one-on-one uh, interviews and, and relations that we have with uh, some Czech people here. And that would be uh, Czechs in a Nutshell, a, a book that uh, is used quite a bit in, in research with the Czech people. It's a funny book uh, by Terj England and uh, The Xenophobe's Guide to the Czechs by Petr Burka. <laughs> so yeah, Xenophobes Guide to the Checks. All right, it's 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 a fun, quick read. Absolutely. Well, that'll about do it for this episode on Bohemian Podcast. I want to thank you very much for tuning in this week. Uh, we like your mail, as we said, so please send us some ideas, comments, or even corrections. We'd love to have that. We will read it on the next podcast. Remember, we need you to subscribe to uh, the show on iTunes. Uh, and if you like what we're doing, then please rate us high with those wonderful, wonderful stars uh, that help move us up the ladder a little bit so more people can hear the podcast. Uh, before you go, I want to make sure that I also plug, plug our uh, website, which is bohemican.com. It's a site devoted to my experiences here in Bohemia. Uh, it is a cornucopia of information. It's a lot to uh, digest, but uh, if you use it as a reference guide to what we're talking about on the podcast, I think it, it will fill in some of the blanks. And also come take a look at our sister podcast, History of Alchemy at historyofalchemy.com and thank you very much for listening. Ciao for now.